It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. But Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. Interesting passage at the very beginning of Philippians Philippians chapter 2. It kind of is broken into three sections, or at least how I see it as three sections. From verses 1 through 11, there's three main areas. You have verse 1 through 4, which is one key area talking about just the realities of the life of Christ in fellowship or in a body. Then in verse 5, you have the pinnacle statement, which we're going to look at here. And then in verses 6 through 11, you have kind of the outflow of verse 5. In other words, uh, if you want to think of it this way, you kind of have this, uh, maybe a mountaintop, maybe that's probably a bad illustration, but you have verses 1 through 4 flowing up into verse 5. Verse 5 is the pinnacle, and then you have verse 6 through 11, which is the outflow of verse 5. So before we look at anything else, I want to look at verse 5 with you uh, in Philippians chapter 2, because it kind of sets the tone or the, uh, the essence of this whole passage. So Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, it says, Let this mind be in you all, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, Other translations will translate it, Let this attitude be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Uh, It's interesting that this idea of mind or attitude uh, in the passage is rather central. And you recognize that in the full of what Paul is saying to those in Philippi, it's the fact that you are not just to have your own mind or not to have your own attitude, you are to have the mind of Jesus. Exciting. Uh, that word mind or attitude is the Greek word phroneo. Uh, and it's interesting, it can be translated mind, it can be translated attitude, uh, but neither of those actually encompass the fullness of that idea. Uh, the word phroneo has the idea of an orientation, it has the idea of focus, uh, it does have the idea of mind, it has the idea of attitude, but it's more of the entire makeup of life. Uh, in other words, what it's saying here is let this orientation of living, let this orientation of life, Let this focus of living that was in Jesus be also in you. In other words, how am I to live? Just like Jesus. How am I to think? Just like Jesus. How am I to feel? Just like Jesus. How how am I to function day by day by day by day? Just like Jesus. Now, it's exciting that when it says, let this mind be in you, uh, if you were to look it up in the Greek, again, I don't want to focus on the Greek too much, but if you you looked it up in the Greek, it's in the present passive uh, imperative. Uh, it's the present tense, which means uh, it's the now. And in Greek, it's interesting that the present tense doesn't just mean now. It's like the ever-living present tense. And in other words, it's not like, uh, was this true last year? Yeah, maybe, but we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on right now. But you realize that in about another moment, it's, it's going to be the present. And five minutes from now, it's going to slowly move over, and oh, that's going to be our present. And so basically the idea in Greek is that whenever you're in the present, this needs to be the reality. And as a fun thought, we, most of us tend to live in the present. Uh, so that means, hey, whenever you are living, this is to be true in your life. So this isn't, hey, maybe someday in the future, oh, by and by, maybe I'll get the mind of Jesus. No, this is, hey, right now, wherever you're living, at, the, at this very moment, you are to have the mind, the attitude, the orientation, the focus of Jesus Christ, which is kind of fun. Now, it's an imperative, which means it's a command, which this is not a request. This is not a suggestion. Hey, you are commanded to have the mind, the attitude, and the orientation of Jesus. And interestingly, it's in the, uh, it's in the passive, which means this is not something I go out and do and try to accomplish. 
Uh, in other words, this isn't like, okay, I'm going to have the mind of Christ, so I'm going to grip my teeth and pull this thing off. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to have the mind of Jesus. You realize that would be impossible. <laughs> like, how are you going to pull that one off? In other words, the passive has this idea of not you going out and doing it. The passive suggests you're receiving it. So think about what Paul is saying, he, saying here. He says, I am commanding you that whenever you're in the present moment, you are to receive and have put on the mind of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus, the orientation of how he is living. That how am I to live day by day by day, just like Jesus? Well, how am I going to pull that off? I'm not going to pull that off outside of him, which means I'm going to need him to come in and begin to do something in my life that I cannot do merely on my own. And yes, I'm engaging, I'm interacting, I'm participating, but I can't do this on my own. I need the Spirit of God within me pulling this thing off, which is absolutely amazing. So again, verse 5, if you will, is the linchpin of this entire passage. And Paul, again, is saying, hey, I'm commanding you, whenever you're in the present, have the focus, the mindset, the orientation of Jesus Christ. Now, as he moves forward in verses 6 through 8, he begins, well, even down through 11, but specifically 6 through 8, he begins to describe what that mind, that attitude, that orientation of living of Jesus looks like. <clears throat> Let me just read it. Uh, so this is Philippians 2, verse 6. Uh, Paul says, who, speaking of Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, several things are happening in the passage, and we don't have time to get into all of them. But it's interesting that there's this whole emphasis on this idea that Jesus was a servant in verse 7. In fact, I had one Greek scholar, a friend of mine, who was kind of walking. Uh, we were talking about this passage, and he pointed out the fact that Jesus coming, emptying himself and becoming a man in human form, that in the Greek, the emphasis of the fact that he took on the form of a servant was not so much, oh, he became a man and therefore became a servant. It's that Jesus himself has always had the heart of a servant. And when he became a man, he just, he took that form. He, in other words, he fleshed that out, pun intended maybe, uh, in, in, the, in the realities of, of earth. In other words, he's always had a servant's heart. He's always been a, hey, let me pour my life out for you. And that came into fruition when he became a man. In other words, from eternity past to eternity future, what's the heart of Jesus? Serving, which is what you are called, in, called to have. Isn't that a neat thought that uh, Jesus is not some mean, nasty tyrant who's demanding, I want you to serve me, but rather his heart is that of a servant, and he is pouring himself and his heart out for us, and we are called to live like that. Isn't that amazing? I, I love this thought that when, when you look at the life of Jesus physically when he was on earth, as recorded in the Gospels, how did Jesus live? He was constantly living as a servant. He was constantly rolling up his sleeve saying, hey, how can I meet your needs? Hey, how can I serve you? Hey, how can I wash your feet? Hey, how can I pour my life out for you? How, how can I meet your needs? That he never, he never once thought about himself, at least that we can see. I mean, you could maybe argue the Garden of Gethsemane, maybe. But even in that, his heart was for us. See, he had a, he had a heart and an attitude, a mindset of being a servant, that I'm going to pour my life out for the people around me. And I, as a Christian, who am to have the mind, the attitude, the orientation of Jesus, and to live like that. That I'm not to pop in and pop out of being a servant. Well, I feel like being a servant today, but maybe not tomorrow. 
that I am called to every moment of my day live as if you around me are more important than myself and I'm to pour my life out for you. Isn't that interesting? I think it's beautiful. Now, obviously, you've got to take care of yourself, right? You've got to sleep, otherwise you can't serve. You've got to eat, otherwise you can't serve. But the reality is, is that this heart of a servant needs to be the very heart of a Christian. Uh, he goes on and continues in verse 8. It says, Having been found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death upon a cross. That Jesus had a heart of humility. Uh, how did Jesus live? Humbly and obediently. Hey, how are we as a Christian supposed to live? Just like that. So as you start to see this flow of what Paul is doing, that Paul says in verse 5 that I am to have the mind, the attitude, the orientation, the phroneo of Jesus Christ. And I am commanded to do that. Well, when am I to do it? Well, whenever it's in the present. And since I always live in the present, this should be always present in my life. Well, how am I going to pull this off? Well, I'm not going to grip my teeth and accomplish it. What's going to end up happening is I've got to somehow get so tight with Jesus that his mind literally becomes my mind. That somehow his heart and his attitude infiltrate mine and it starts changing who I am. That I need to be humble and receptive and surrendered and saying, Jesus, you've got, you've got to make me more like you. And somehow I passively, not passive like I do nothing, but in, 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 the, in the tense sense, I am passively receiving, not actively going out and trying to accomplish this. This is not a, again, this is not a WWJD kind of bracelet like I'm going to try to fake this thing. But I need to receive the heart, the mind, the attitude of Jesus Christ. And that, again, it's a participatory, uh, active thing, even though it's passively received. Now, again, as Paul flows and talks about the life of Jesus in verse 6 through 8, it's interesting that what he just did in verses 1 through 4 was the exact same thing, but speaking about the body of Christ in particular. So, again, verses 1 through 4 kind of lead up to verse 5. Verse 5 becomes the pinnacle or the linchpin or the climactic moment that defines this whole thing. And then verses 6 or 8 or even 6 or 11 defines uh, the, the aspect of that. So look at verse 1 through 4. Again, it's talking about what this mind of Christ looks like, but it's lived out in the body of Christ. So verse 6 or 8 is the mind of Christ lived out in Jesus. Verses 1 through 4 is what that mind of Christ looks like in our lives as we fellowship and interact together. Paul says this in verse 1. He says, If there's any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any compassion and mercy, then fulfill my joy by being like-minded. And again, he uses that word phroneo, that we are to have the same phroneo, the same focus, the same orientation. Uh, which doesn't mean we like all the same things. In other words, we don't become... Uh, uniformed in the sense of like we're all, we all look identical, right? In other words, we all have different haircuts. We all like different flavors of pizza. You know, we all have different roles and jobs and activities in the body. But the reality is that we are having one focus, one orientation um, as the body. And then he says, having the same love, being in unity, again, not uniformity, but unity with one mind. Again, it's going back to this idea that there's one focus, one orientation, one heartbeat of the body. But then he says this in verse 3 and 4. He says, Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility let each esteem other better than himself. I love that word uh, in the Greek. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. That nothing in my life should be done out of strife or conceit. 
that nothing in my life should be done out of selfish ambition, but rather in humility, I need to esteem others better than myself. That I, the way I look upon you is I look upon you as if I'm a servant. Why? Because that's how Jesus looked upon us. That Jesus was constantly pouring his life out, and he was a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. So if Jesus has the heart of a servant, the heart of humility and obedience, and I am called to have that same orientation, that same focus of living, then how is that going to play out in the body? Well, that means I'm going to look at you and go, oh, I need to serve you. Oh, how can I wash your feet? Hey, how can I meet your needs? Hey, how, how can I pour my life out for you? And I literally take on the mind, the focus, the orientation, the attitude of Jesus in the body. And how do I do that? I don't, I don't just look out. I don't just prop myself up. I don't just try to climb the corporate ladder. I don't step on you to get ahead. What do I do? I literally push you before me. I push you up. That I'm serving you. And hey, if God wants to do something in the middle of that and, and, and bring and bless and whatever, fine. But that is not my focus. What's my focus? Serving. Pouring my life out for the body. Caring for the body. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. If that's not bad enough, look at verse 4. He says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, you can interpret that however you want to interpret that. It's interesting, though, that when you look at the earliest Greek manuscripts, uh, the word only and also are not in the passage. That it actually says, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, again, you can do whatever you want with that. But it's interesting that however you want to interpret it, the emphasis of this is, hey, this is not just about you. Your life is not about you. It's about him. And if it's all about him, guess what it gets to be about? Other people. Isn't it interesting that when, uh, here's this uh, wise scholar, and he comes up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in Scripture? That Jesus went back into Deuteronomy chapter 6 and gave him the very thing that they would have quoted every single morning when they woke up. This was the passage that every single time they went down to the synagogue, the first thing they would do at the synagogue was say this Shema, which is the Deuteronomy 6 passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then Jesus adds on this addition, if you will. And he says, and the second greatest commandment is like this, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting, even in the Greek of that passage, it's not saying, love the Lord your God. And the second, which is like below it, is down here. In fact, the Greek, it, makes, it actually makes a sense that it's actually on the same level. But we have to put one of them first. So, hey, love the Lord your God and your neighbor. But in the sense, what Jesus is doing is putting him on a similar plane, saying, if you love the Lord your God, you will be loving your neighbor. Why? Because the love, the heart, that servant humility, that, that humbleness, is the very heart of God himself. And so if you're full of the love and the heart of God, that, that demands you to pour that out to the people around you. That this is not a retreat, uh, this is not a monastery thinking, where it's like, let's pull back, and I'm going to live for my little life by myself, and, and I'll just keep you away, and, and I'll do my best without you. That the heart of a Christian is, I need you, and I need to pour my life out for you. Why? Because I'm full of the love of God. And the love of God demands expression. The love of God demands interaction and community with other people. The, the love of God demands that I just, I, I serve and, and wash your feet. So think about, again, about this whole flow. Paul, in verses 1 through 4, is saying, hey, do you know what the mind of Christ looks like lived out in the body of Christ? It's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's not, hey, what, what am I going to get out of this? 
hey, this is not about, hey, is it going to make me feel good? Or does it match my tastes? Or, you know, does the worship style, you know, fit how I like to sing? This is all about one thing, Jesus. And letting Jesus be seen in the corporate body. That, hey, I'm not going to think about myself. That, that yeah, I, I have to take care of myself. I understand that. I need to get some sleep. I understand that. And, and, and hey, I'm, I probably need some refreshment and probably need a vacation once in a while. But why do I need those things? So I can serve better. Why do I need to be refreshed tonight? So I can pour my life out better the next day. That I'm no good to Jesus if I'm exhausted. So, hey, I need to get rest. But why do I get rest? Not for my selfish reasons, because I would love to get more sleep. <laughs> I really would. But why, why do I get the rest that I do? So that I'm functional, so God can use me. See, what if every aspect of our life became with that motive? That, hey, if I'm going to go play disc golf with somebody, and I enjoy a good disc golf game, but the reason I play disc golf is not just so I can play disc golf. The reason I play disc golf is so I can have fellowship with somebody or so that I'm actually refreshed and rejuvenated by just the walking around and throwing a disc around so that I'm actually more able to serve and pour my life out for people. Why? Because that's the heart of Jesus. It's to be humble, to be a servant, to be obedient. Verse 5, let this attitude, let this mind, let this phroneo, this orientation of living be in you, which was in Jesus. We need that. And I can't, in and of myself, cannot just pull that off. I cannot love the way I'm supposed to love. I can't even be humble the way I'm supposed to be humble. I can't be obedient the way I'm supposed to be obedient. And I need to be interacting with the Spirit of God in my life to bring this about. That I need to receive His phroneo, His orientation, His focus, His mind, His attitude in my life so I can live out the Christian life as I ought. Well, I don't know about you, but I need that. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you that it's not just us on our own trying to accomplish and live out the Christian life. But we have the phenomenal reality that the God of the universe has come to indwell us via the Holy Spirit, your spirit. And your spirit is producing your life in and through us. So Lord, I pray that we would have Philippians 2.5 in our lives that we would have the mind, the attitude, the focus, the orientation of Jesus in our lives. That we wouldn't be gritting our teeth trying to act like Jesus, but we would just merely have the life of Jesus inside, which just can't help but pour itself out through us. Again, this is not passive in the sense of sitting on a couch and doing nothing until you force us to do something, Jesus. This is, I want to be actively engaged. I want to, I want to be leaning forward in my seat. I want to be participating with you but Lord, I can't pull this off on my own. I can't merely just have the mind of Christ outside of you bringing your mind inside of me. So Lord, I just freshly surrender and humble myself and just ask that you would somehow produce your life through my very own. That as Paul describes your life, it was a life of humility, it was a life of, uh, of a servant, it was a life of obedience, it was a life being poured out. <clears throat> Lord, would you make that a definition of me? Lord, as verses 1 through 4 declare about this whole idea of a body, that it's not about selfish ambition or just trying to get ahead or, or just somehow stepping on other people or look, merely looking out for my own interests as if that is the only thing. Lord, somehow, would you, would you do something so deep in my life that my interest is actually for the people around me? That I'm not just merely selfishly trying to get ahead, but I'm 
pushing people in front of me that I'm serving and washing the feet of and pouring my life out for. Jesus, somehow could my whole life be wrapped up in you? Because I'm convinced that my whole life was wrapped up and focused and built upon you. Then you couldn't help but shine forth through my life. That the way that I lived and the way that I talked and the way that I thought would somehow just be evidence of your life within me. That you would be oozing out of every pore of my body and I just... I would just have the life of Christ, which must be demonstrated to the world around me. So, Lord, would you begin to just press that even deeper in my life? Lord, I do pray for this local body that we would have the heart, the mind, the orientation of Jesus. That we'd be so wrapped up in serving one another that, interestingly, if I'm serving the people around me and they're serving the people around them, all my needs are met, but it's not selfish. So Jesus, could you somehow build this body so it actually looks like the body of Christ, whose focus and whose attitude and whose mind and whose orientation is all about Jesus and how you lived. We need that, Jesus. We love you. Just thank you for this day and all you have in store. Just give you the praise and the glory in your precious name. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.